Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody welcome back to another edition of the teardown my name is jeff buck and i'm along with my co-worker jordan bianchi later in the episode we'll be joined by indycar champion alex below but first we're going to talk about the las vegas motor speedway race which has just concluded jordan you are there at las vegas and uh i'll be honest i'll just put it out there right away jordan <laughs> after last week's race at bristol that was so thrilling and so exciting. This was just sort of like a, a letdown, I would say. I mean, this just wasn't uh, wasn't what I was looking for tonight. Letdown is a very good word. I think it's fair to say they all can't be Bristol, and this was definitely not Bristol. Uh, Bristol was classic NASCAR, you know, short track, beat and bang, and, you know, angry drivers, that kind of thing. And this was kind of a classic intermediate track, which was – field was spread out not a lot of passing it didn't feel like there was much doubt in who was going to win and not a lot of cautions uh just not really there really wasn't was it exciting i I don't know i don't think it was i really don't think there was a couple of moments there like oh this is good stuff but overall uh, yeah this was this was a letdown well you'll have to remember until recently the uh the spring las vegas race was voted as one of the top uh, races of the year. I think it was tied for the top race of the year in the Was It a Good Race poll. And um, so I think there was some hope that Las Vegas was going to be a little bit more action-packed. But like you said, I mean, you know, when you look at cautions, I mean, except for Joey Gase's wheel flying off, there was nothing that really even came close. I mean, really no uh, sort of incidents or much talk about except guys running over debris um, and you know, you, you just expect something else, I guess, you know, we're, we're sort of accustomed to these five fifty package races. Like the whole selling point of them is that, Hey, there's going to be some craziness. Like they're going to stay together and there's going to be some absolutely nutty restarts and all this stuff. Well, in order to have those nutty restarts that makes the five fifty package races so good, you have to have cautions to bunch them up. And you yep. just didn't get those tonight. All of stage three was completely green. There was these this bizarre strategy that I, I again I, I credit Eric Estep with pointing this out because he said you know at that at one point when Tyler Reddick's trying to stay out to catch the caution and then Keselowski did also he said you know Tyler Reddick was never going to catch a caution what caution you know like the only caution was was for that wheel coming off um, it wasn't like a you know oh man guys are sliding all over the place or guys are hitting the wall like Darlington or something like something's going to happen it was just kind of like. Yeah, nothing's really gonna change this race. So. It was. It was. I, I wish I could credit who said this on Twitter, um, but they had a good point, which is like the strategy elements of this race were kind of interesting. Of when to pit, when not to pit. Tyler Reddick stayed out during a, a late pit stop cycle, probably longer than he should have, and it cost him considerably to Denny Hamlin. The Hendrick cars collectively, um, Cliff Daniels. We talked to him in the garage, and they he meant like our strategy was not good. It was flawed. And it bit them in the butt, especially with Kyle Larson, who looked like he had a good car, a potentially winning race car. And that was an interesting thing of this race. But in terms of ex- actual racing part of it, I just it didn't it didn't really do much. And I wrote a thing on the Athletic this week talking about how this race was the most important race of the round because of what it happens in the next two races. But there is a, still an element of this race that is kind of unpredictable. And the driver, a lot of drivers are kind of, they look at this as going, Las Vegas is tough. It's not easy because about the restarts. Everybody talked about the restarts, restarts, restarts. You four wide in the turns, you know. You bump once, you're going to cut a tire. Well, like you said, Jeff, there was no really restarts. We had a couple cautions for stage breaks, and then we had the, the crash with Joey Gase. But really, not that nothing to really write home about. I mean, it was a pretty routine, mundane, mile-and-a-half race. 
Yeah, and you know, nine of the top 11 finishers are playoff drivers, so that pretty much holds serve for those guys. Um, the only guys who really had problems were, I mean, William, poor William Byron, man, starts in the back because of the inspection failures, drives all the way to the lead, then they try to pit, screw up their pit stop while screwing up their strategy, goes to the back, drives back into the top five, um, and then gets screwed again and, and uh, has to pit under green, finishes um, 18th. And then Alex Bowman, same similar situation um, on his green flag pit stop, had a, a flat tire, I believe, and um, ended up two laps down, uh, 22nd place. So they really got burned by that. And then Christopher Bell had damage at the start and was just really not a factor at all. So those are the th- three of the ones below the cut line. And then um, Kevin Harvick, just given his lack of playoff points, to, despite finishing ninth, um, he's still seven spots below uh, Keselowski. Now, none of those guys are really out of it. I mean, even Christopher Bell, he's considerably back. But like Alex Bowman is 13 out. Um, you know, like I said, Harvick is seven out. William Byron's four points out. W- with Talladega and the Roval coming up, that's that's nothing. You know, I mean, there's going to be guys that are crashing and stuff, and they're going to fall way out behind that. So there's a lot to be determined. But yeah, that, and, and, and again, so that speaks to, it speaks to what I was talking about earlier with Las Vegas, where it just didn't really move, I feel like, the storyline forward. It just kind of, I feel like we, everything we saw tonight just it got punted to the next two races rather than help us determine what's really going to happen yeah i think that's a good way to describe it it got punted to the next week and we don't know and we don't know other than denny hamlin everyone else is going into talladega thinking we we've got to do whatever we can to not be in the rack because the risk of falling below that cut line is certainly still there no one really separated themselves kyle larson is still clearly above everyone else He's fine, but the other 10 drivers, I mean, this is still very much up in the air. And, you know, look at a guy like Chris Bell. I think you can you can take some solace in the fact that there is a road course coming up. He has been really, really good in the road course races this year, has got a win, has had a bunch of strong runs. Um, Kevin Harvick tonight, a fast race car. Uh, I talked to Rodney Childers in the garage. They liked their race car. They thought they, they had some speed in it, but they had a little bit of damage, and it kind of set them back a little bit. And, and Kevin was actually pretty optimistic post-race, saying, like, considering where they were in the spring at Las Vegas to now, um, they felt like they, they did a really good job. So, well, it, like you said, it just feels like everybody's just kind of holding serve and going to Talladega, crossing their fingers and, and hoping that they're not caught up in that big one and they can, can leave there um, with their car in one piece and a decent finish. Well, I was very surprised tonight that, um, you know, Denny Hamlin – and really, Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. showed as much speed as they did at times because um, I really thought this was going to be a Hendrick race through and through. Hendrick has been the class of the field been. on. Well, you're right. Um, they've been the class of the field on 550 packages, and for a while they're running one, two, three, four. And I thought, up, oh, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Then, of course, in stage two, the strategy gets messed up. Chase Elliott was able to recover from that because he raced his way back on the lead lap. Um, it looked like Byron had recovered from it because he got the lucky dog, got back on the lead lap until, um, his, his pit problem. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the Bowman thing obviously is, is a fluke. So the Larson thing is what I'm really hung up on because Cliff Daniels had him go long in that stage and pit late to get the wave around. And then he got mired back in like, I don't know, it was just 15th or 16th. And he seemed to be the fastest car earlier in the race. I mean, I think that, had that strategy worked out differently, I mean, we could have been talking about yet another Larson win. Larson wins two in a row. Wow. Hendrick on the 550 tracks. Larson, Larson, Larson again. Instead, the narrative shifts, and we're talking about Hamlin. And, you know, the broadcaster saying, is Hamlin the championship favorite now? Is he right there with Larson? All that stuff. I mean, Lar- this th- Larson had speed. So what what happened? Yeah. I, I am baffled by his inability to get back up there. Um, except for it was a track position race, I guess. Was there any explanation that you were able to discern from Cliff Daniels? Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of walked us through a little bit, and I, I don't want to paraphrase here. I have to go back and listen to the audio because it, it is a little bit complicated. But basically, Cliff owned the call. He said all 400 cars messed up the strategy. And there was an issue with the chase vehicle breaking down on the racetrack um, during a caution there that ended up resulting in two additional uh, caution laps, which kind of messed up the, the window a little bit in terms of who could make it, that kind of thing, and who pitted, who didn't. Um, so that had an impact. But at the end of the day, Cliff said, even with that chase vehicle not breaking down, we we screwed up. We just – all 400 teams 
had the wrong strategy. We, they owned it. He owned it. And so it, it's one of those things you would have, could have, should have. And we talked about how the end of this race was kind of a, a shrug your shoulders race. But this, I think this is a much different race if, if Larson and Byron are in the mix. Because to me, they were two of the three fastest cars with Hamlin clearly, you know, in that group as well. There's so much of these races. And again, it was sort of the theme in the first round. Again, tonight, it just is like, man, just don't take yourself out of it. Yeah. You know, that's that's what we have been talking about with Kevin Harvick. And, and I think Brad Kozlowski, to a point, seventh place finish tonight, they don't have the speed that they normally have. They don't really, I mean, they shouldn't be contending, but they're they're getting the results. You know what I mean? They're not taking themselves out of it. They're not doing dumb things. They're not, we're not going, Oh man, another mistake for a playoff driver. When you talk about those guys, it just, um, man, it's just sort of like, why do these teams, and I know they're pushing, they're pushing for everything they have. They're pushing for everything they have on pit road and every pit stop. And you know, whether it's speeding or the lug nuts or, or whatever, but man, it's just like, in some ways you just want to scream, like, look at the big picture. You know, it's, it's, it's not worth at this point. Like if you're talking about in round three, okay, I could see that. But in the first couple rounds, when so much of what happens is just based on guys taking themselves out, it's like, okay, like maybe just take that extra second and make sure all the lug nuts are on or whatever, you know, like don't have your guy come back in for a vibration or, and I get, I get that they're pushing, but it's just not worth it. It seems right. I mean, is that over simplistic, overly simplistic? No, I don't think you're being over simplistic. I think it's probably more complicated than we think sometimes. And these things are, you know, these pit stops are so quick and decisions are being made rapidly. But I think you're right is don't beat yourself. Don't put yourself in a position where you're having to play catch up because when you play catch up, you're starting then to rely on other on factors that you cannot control cautions, you know, someone else having issues instead of dictating the race. And when you get behind the eight ball like that, you lose all control. And we saw it tonight with some guys, when you get behind, whether it was Larson or Byron, you just, sometimes these races play out where there's not a caution. There's not an opportunity to catch up. And the opportunity you had to win a race or leave here with a really, really good finish that would put you in a good spot to move on. It's gone. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, Byron, uh, I look at that car. I mean, earlier in the race, we we're talking about, man, this guy has maybe more speed than Larson. You know, he, he's driving up there. He leads, um, seven laps and you're like, Whoa, this is, this could be a real breakthrough for Byron after escaping that first round. Maybe he wins this race. And instead it's deja vu him yeah. and Bowman both. I mean, it's got to dig themselves out again. Yeah. They opened, they opened round one with at Darlington with Byron and Alex Bowman ha- having this issue. And then they clawed out the hole at a remarkable run at, at Bristol. And, and then they go to round. They somehow get out of round one, which I, we both said we didn't think was going to happen, or at least one of them was going to be limited, but then they end up going to round two and they both leave here with a diff- bad finish. The, the, the positive, if, if you're William Byron is your point total is really manageable. I think it's six. Is that right? Four, six, four, 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 four point. That's a really manageable number. That is not insurmountable, especially for him. The next race is set up well, but again, anything can happen at Talladega, but if he can run and finish like he usually does there, he he should be okay. But again, he's just, you look back, I I look back to round one. I look at Kurt Busch missed opportunity at Richmond had a really good car, bad luck, whatever happened with his tire. And just, there's so many factors that you end up looking at and say, man, what it should have, could have, and you don't want to see that happen again. And, you know, I mean, you, you talk about those missed chances. Um, Tyler Reddick, you know, we, I said nine of the 11 were playoff drivers. The other two were former playoff drivers from this year, Tyler Reddick and Kurt Busch. I mean, had they made it, had they been able to advance, that's top tens for both of them. And I'm sure they sort of kicked themselves and be like, man, where would we have been sitting in this round? We would have been in decent position to start off had we advanced and, uh, but that's the kind of stuff that can that can hurt you. I want to give you a chance to weigh on weigh in on Denny Hamlin though, because um, I kind of just walked over that point. I guess <laughs> um, you know. I mean, do you do you consider him? I mean, he's he's won two races here to open the playoffs in the first four weeks. Um, is he more of a threat now than you thought of him before? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't change my opinion. I, I came into the playoffs like I kind of had Martin Strick Jr. and Kyle Larson kind of right there, and Denny Hamlin was in the mix. And, and the question about Hamlin was. Were they going to be able to regain kind of what the, the speed that they had earlier in the year? And look at what he's done in the first round, winning stages, leading laps, two wins now. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this before. His season is is a season where 
he should have much more than two wins. I mean, he should be somewhere close to Larson, but for whatever reason he hasn't, it doesn't change my opinion. I, I think those three guys, Larson, Tricks, and Hamlin, are three guys that I think universally we kind of all circled as, okay, those are probably going to be at least two of those guys in the final four. Um, that doesn't change my opinion. I thought Denny Hamlin had a really good point. He was asked that question uh, in his post-race press conference, which is, you know, should you be should you be the favorite now? And he's like, honestly, who cares? Like, we're going to have to go out and do it. It doesn't matter who's called the favorite or whatever. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, it's still at the end of the day, you can you can have that label, but as we've seen, it really doesn't matter. You still have to go out there and you still have to perform. You know, tonight for some reason made me think back of a, a Denny Hamlin quote from earlier in the season, and it might have been after I can't remember when it was. It was after one of Bowman's victories. Bowman had won like his third race of the year, and Hamlin was winless. And he Hamlin made a comment of like. Well, I'd rather have my the season I'm having right now than yeah. Bowman season with and everybody was like, Oh, sore loser, Denny, you know, like, oh, why is he saying that? He 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 can't win a race and he'd you know, Bowman's won three races. I mean, you look at it now and you say, Yeah, well, I mean, Denny has been there in the points all year. Now he has a couple wins to back it up. Um, so you kind of would rather have that season than the season that Bowman is having, for instance, right? I mean, Bowman, despite having three wins, you know, it, it, it's been a struggle for him so far. So um, it's kind of interesting how, you know, Larson, Hamlin all year, you know, they were battling for that points position, points battle, the regular season. And if you look at it, and I know, you know, this is like people are always like, oh, you know, this is this is not a fair comparison or whatever. But if you look at the non-playoff standings, right, the season-long – I know you're already shaking your head. I, I hate this comparison. I hate this comparison so much. It would be – but I'm just telling you, the measurement of how they've done yeah. against each other so far, Denny Hamlin would have retaken the points lead tonight. He'd be up four points over Kyle Larson. Um, Chase Elliott would be third, 240 points back. It's not even close. But those two cars – I mean, we talk about we do talk a lot about Larson. Those two cars would really be the class of the field marching down to these playoffs if it was a season long thing. So, um, and again, yeah. give or take a few points, they race differently, strategy. But <laughs> the point is, the my point is though, yeah. is they're they're there, they're yeah. right there. I mean, I wrote about in the Athletic, and they they have clearly established their season long dominance throughout the course of the season. If I have my if it right, I think they've only not led the point standings one week this year. And that was coming out of the Daytona 500 where Austin Dillon was the points leader. It's been Denny Hamlin leading it for most of the year. And then, you know, Kyle Larson took it over late summer. The, the consistency, I look at consistency in finishing in the top five and, and putting yourself in contention to win races, average finish and leading laps is the most uh, key metric. And when you, about your com- your comment that when Alex Bowman and uh, Denny Hamlin made those remarks, I got what Denny Hamlin was saying because at the end of the day, it's great that you can pop up and win a race every once in a while. And Bowman has certainly shown that he can win races, but to continually put yourself in contention and to finish in the top five and, and leave a racetrack saying, you know what, we had a really good car tonight. We may not have won, but we were in contention to do that. That that's next level. That's how you get yourself in position to win a championship. And I think that is the key difference between a Denny Hamlin and Alec Bowman right now. Well, Jordan, there was some other races uh, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. One was an Xfinity race. Um, before the Xfinity race, you went up in a helicopter with <laughs> Matt ja- uh, Jaskel, and uh, he he jumped out to skydive. I've ne- you know, last week we saw Harvick and and Larson run away from you while you v- were videoing uh, <laughs> to get into a hauler, and this week we saw a man jump out of a helicopter while you were videoing to get away from you. So it sounds like my love life. Way to go. Thank you. <laughs> People are really, these drivers really do not want to be videoed by you, but, um, or be, that was or a, hang out with me or anything like that. nature. <laughs> I did enjoy the story you wrote on Matt Jaskell, by the way, that was, that was a good read. I recommend that people should check that out. Thank you. Uh, why he wanted to jump out of a helicopter, but, um, Josh Berry wins. Um, cool. You story. know, that, that was cool. And, you know, both, I mean, both trucks and uh, Xfinity, you had non-playoff guys winning. You had uh, Thor Sport with a one, two, three, four sweep in trucks, JRM with a one, two, three sweep in Xfinity. Um, any any takeaways from the, either of those races? 
Um, truck series is, uh, we talk about mile and a half races and you know how they don't always maybe fulfill our expectations in the cup series. Mile and a half races in the truck series are as good as it gets. It is tremendous action. And sometimes you kind of make, you kind of wonder what some of the decision-making that these guys are you know doing, but it was good racing. Um, and, and I mentioned it, Josh Berry winning uh, is just a great story. Probably one we don't even talk about enough. And a guy like that coming up, not having the funding, you know, not being, the, not having sponsors and really kind of being the old school coming up the ladder way is really neat to see. It's going to be fascinating to see what he can do next year full time in the series. He's got, two, you know, not only does he have two wins this year, he's got him with two different teams within junior motorsports, two different crew chiefs, you know, hopping into a race car, really kind of at the last minute, you know, filling in for Michael and that. So it's a cool story. It's, it's interesting to see where this goes and, it's just it's kind of something we talk about all the time is where's that next group of young drivers going to come from if, if you don't have funding? Because there's a lot of guys out there that have these, you know, deserve these opportunities, but they haven't uh, had them. And Josh Berry is getting that opportunity and making the most of it. Yep, absolutely. So um, we are going to talk about IndyCar and F1, but we might as well put a bow on NASCAR first um, by talking about the. Was it a good race? Pull <laughs> Jordan. You've snapped like a 10 week losing streak or 10 races. Probably goes back to the, before the Olympic break because the, was it a good race? Pull last week was an all time new record. Um, you had said 95%. It was over that. And the Bristol motor speedway race comes in, pulls you out to a W. Now we are two to one in the playoffs. So you're right back in at Jordan. Woo! You, you would like to make a victory speech? No, I'm good. I I don't care when I lose. I don't care when I win. Let's just move oh, forward. Okay. Well, that's that's fine. Well, um, you have to go first this week because, of course, I won the regular season championship. I have a lot of thoughts on this one. I think we're going to be. I think we're going to be far apart. But I'm not going to tip my hand on this okay, one. Okay. So I, I'm picking first. Yeah. I'll say 55. percent Oh, okay. Not as far as apart as I thought. You thought I was going to go higher than that? Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did. I, I mean, not much, but I thought you maybe were going to land in the 60s somewhere. Mm. Um, no, what, what's your reasoning for, for 55%? I, just, I, just, if I, I, I think it's kind of what we talked about. One, it just it wasn't the most exciting race. The winner was pretty much kind of known until the end. We didn't have a lot of on-track excitement. There were moments here, a bit, little bit here and there. But overall, it was a pretty uneventful race. Nothing too crazy happened. And it, especially coming off of Bristol, which was, as you just said, the highest rated poll ever in this poll that's been going on for what, five, six years now, Jeff, something like that. since 2016, 2016. So, so there you go. Um, that it's let down is the word. It seems like it's the word of the podcast. And I think that's fair to say. And I think that is why I am voting the way I am. So 55%, if that's what came to be, would make this the yeah. fifth worst race of the year. I, I do think it's going to be lower than that. Um, you lower. Know, They're lower. Uh, yes, I do. I do. Um, now, is it was it as bad as the Coke 600? I say probably no. 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 <laughs> so the Coke 600 landed at a 48.5. Um, Atlanta won, where Kyle Larson completely dominated the race, and then mm -hmm. Larson, or, sorry, Blaney yep. tracked him down at the end. Um, and passed him that got a uh, 50.6. So that exciting finish didn't sway people. Um, and so, but that had a more exciting element. I feel like than this one did at least, even though much of that race was boring and not, not a great race, Texas all-star, another race that wasn't very good, 51.5. So what I'm getting at is I think it's going to be under 50, but barely not as low as Charlotte. So what I'm going to say is 49% is where this comes in as the second worst race of the season just because Coke 600 was pretty, uh, pretty straightforward and, and pretty boring. I mean, it was long. really uneventful <laughs> Larson, I think just won everything there was to win that night and long. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, almost four hour race, but, um, so yeah, I'm saying 49% on that. Um, right. I think that's, that's, that's real. I think I understand your reasoning. It makes sense. I won't criticize you. Like you like to criticize me. I wish I, I wish I could have been able to howl more about your your pick, but I think fifty five is reasonable as well. So Jordan, um, I know I don't think you got a chance to watch. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, no. did you get a chance to watch any IndyCar? I mean, you were at the I racetrack. I at literally Las Vegas, did so. not see any of it. I didn't even know who won the race until well afterwards. 
I, yeah, you were, you were busy. You were walking the garage. You were doing, I was, yeah, stuff, doing so. things. I, I don't know. I was following your tweets a little bit. I get them on my phone. I do have alerts set up for you, by the way. Thank you. are welcome. Um, so other than that, I just, I, Hey, I, so when I were, when I were like reply to somebody, like a snarky reply to some somebody like a hater or something or a troll or something like I, that. Does that come on your phone I too? I think it only comes when I you reply to somebody that I also follow. Oh, okay. okay. But then I get all your other normal tweets and stuff. So. I always wonder if the people out there who have my alerts on, yeah. like if I go, thanks for wasting your time tweeting me this or something like that. And I'm, they, look. I'm pretty sure on I only phone? get them if you're, if you're replying to somebody I also follow. Okay. Well, anyway, regardless, uh, my tweets about IndyCar were saying, um, number one, I was probably uh, lamenting Ed Jones' lack of, complete lack of situational awareness, where on lap one of the Long Beach race, he goes in, tries to make some like move that was really not going to work at all uh, inside, and, and in the process, uh, hits Pato Award championship contender uh, in the rear end, um, Alex Pillow has to jam on the brakes and, uh, hits, fortunately he didn't have much damage, um, hits Ed Jones from behind and, but, uh, so awards able to continue on, but 20 laps later, his drive shaft breaks and he's done another race. He ends up coming back for like a few more laps to basically get third in points. Um, but that's it. And so at that point, um, Alex Pillow had to go from, okay, all I have to do is finish 12th to win the championship to now all I have to do is finish 24th to win the championship ahead of Joseph Newgarden. And, you know, NBCSN to their credit, they're trying to build it up, you know, all the stuff like, Oh, you know, if Pillow crashes right now and Newgarden wins this race, they're yeah. going to be tied yeah. on points, all this stuff. But so many cars had fallen out of the race or whatever, or, had, or were lapsed down that with like, I don't know, 15 to go or 20 to go or whatever it was, it was already over. Like it wasn't sure. They were still trying to like, hype it up, but it was, it was over. And it really, it was over from the moment award. I mean, Pillow finished fourth in the race. Yeah, so it, he wasn't gonna, I mean, it, it felt like, you know, this has been a really competitive IndyCar season, but it honestly feels like the championship was kind of came anticlimactic in some sense. Um, the last three races, it just, Portland was good. I take that back, but really at Long Beach at, at Laguna Seca, it just kind of felt like unless something crazy happened, this championship had it was kind of decided after Portland and we never saw that crazy moment to kind of shape things. And even coming into to Long Beach, you, you, you know, technically you had three drivers eligible for the championship, but did it feel like to you that really, I mean, Ward and New Garden were had a chance at winning this thing, unless something just Alex's car just fell apart on like lap three. Well, I kept waiting these last, you know, five or so weeks for New Garden to come up. Cause I'm like, okay, Same. Yeah. He's, he's the veteran guy in this. He's a former champion, multi-time champion. And the two guys in front of him in the standings, you know, with that, without Dixon making much noise for whatever reason this yeah. year, as much noise, um, you know, awards, not championship tested, you know, Pelot's only 24 years old, only in his second IndyCar season. Mm -hmm. Like he hasn't been through something like this, you know, at some point the pressure is going to get to them. And sure enough, like when Pelot had poor back-to-back races i mean they yeah. weren't his fault i mean he crashed at gateway lost the points lead to award and you're like with three races to go you're like oh man that's it for pillow like he had had this nice season he won the season opener and he built this nice cushion up all year and you're like it's done now there's yeah. no way he recovers from this and what does he do he goes out and finishes first second fourth to close the season and just completely stomp him after that so really uh that was really impressive uh from pillow um Nice young guy. Would you like to hear our conversation yes, with him right it. now? Yes. All right. Let's listen to our conversation uh, post-race. This is via Zoom, so the audio quality is not good. I think he was in a crowded room. Um, but our conversation with Alex Pillow, 2021 IndyCar champion. All right, everybody. We're here with Alex Pillow. And Alex, uh, from what a, a picture I just saw that was sent to me, a sneak attack shot from uh, Amy, Amy Stock, actually. Looks like you're eating a, a Pop-Tart. Breakfast or, or dinner of champions, I guess. Literally dinner of champions. There it is. There it is. I, I, I stopped when, when we had to jump on the interview, but um, yeah, that's, uh, I needed something after that when, uh, after winning the championship. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, 
I'm sure this is this is exactly what you dreamed of, right? Like you win the championship and then you're you're eating a pop tart uh, for dinner as you're doing your interviews. <laughs> yeah, that's like the best thing. Um, uh, racing and food together—it's like the best thing in life. Um, you know, you we had done a, a interview earlier this year, a twelve questions interview, and you said you had you had achieved half of your dream. The first was just to make it to IndyCar, and you wanted to win a championship, obviously, as the second part of that. Um, it's check check that box. I mean, it's done now. I mean, is that sunken in? What what are you feeling at this moment? Yeah, it is. That's what it says on the ring. So I'm super proud about it. Um, couldn't be happier today. But yeah, it, it's it's um, the the other fifty percent of the dream that I was missing. Um, you always want to be part of of a big championship like IndyCar, um, but when you have the opportunity to, to be fighting with it, it feels amazing. But once you win it, it feels even better. So. Um, do I, did I sunk in already the experience? I don't think so. I'm just still like uh, nonstop since um, I started the race, but uh, yeah, I feel super happy, super proud and super blessed and lucky to, to have the opportunity to, to, to be a champion. Awesome. So, you know, you, you had built up this nice little points lead, um, pretty decent cushion it seemed like. And then, um, you crash at Gateway, you lose the points lead, and I know that you reached out to Jimmy Johnson at that moment about your teammate about you know like how do I overcome this adversity? You know what, how did that help you, and what, what advice did he give to you to sort of stay in that moment? And then you go first, second, fourth to end the season. Yeah, he he told me some secrets. He told me some secrets, and um, it's always easy to get um, an answer from somebody that. Uh, won championships seven times uh, in different areas, not like in a row, which uh, could be easy if you have a, a good era, but when you do it in several years, that's even more, more difficult. So um, he told me some secrets that, uh, that uh, his dad told him uh, for the first championship, and now Jimmy Johnson told me, I'm not going to tell you. I know that you were going to ask me. I, I saw it on your eyes. But... Um, yeah, I'll keep it for me, and I'll keep going with it. And I heard that you uh, also shared information with him. Like he, you, you helped him with you know some of the tracks that were coming up, just like he was able to help you. So it was a two way street. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was getting more from it than than him. Right? It's I think it's easy to get some comments from a driver that it's been in a track, um, but it's not that easy to get advice from a champion. I think that's. That's uh, a big day from uh, more than one time champion. Um, so um, yeah, I I I think the, the the progress that he had this year in IndyCar uh, was such a a difficult year for him. Like almost no track time uh, going from NASCAR to IndyCar. Uh, he's been doing a lot of progress, and I just wanted to help him getting uh, even better. Yeah, that's really cool. So about today, like. I'm watching this race and obviously, you know, you've known these scenarios coming in. What do you have to do? And then a ward falls out of the race and it turns in from like, okay, you know, you got to finish 12th or better to oh, now you have to, start to finish 24th or better. Like just basically don't have a massive screw up or don't crash. Does your mentality change at that point? Like, okay, like I, you know, I, I have to approach this differently or are you just going to keep doing your same race no matter what at that point? Yeah, we didn't change the approach from last race to this one because of that 11th place. Um, it's good to know, like it's good info. That means, hey, you're in a good position. Okay, that, that's all. Um, and if you're in the last lap in P9, don't go for a P8 because that's enough. But uh, the, the way we approach this, this race was to get the most of it, to try and uh, be as, as close to the podium or to the podium as possible. And that's what we did. So when, when I obviously saw Pato there, I thought that he could have a chance on an alternate strategy that could work. So for me, there was even a bit more pressure because if he was on the same strategy as me, he was just two spots ahead. Uh, I could control him quite a lot. I could follow him everywhere. But if he was doing an alternate strategy to be on the league, um, I could not do that because he was on the alternate one. So um, I was um, a bit more worried, but. I knew that if I were to finish in the podium or uh, in the top five, uh, the championship was going to be ours. 
See, I think that would make me extremely nervous. Like somebody's like, just don't screw up. Like, yeah, just don't and crash. You, and then you crash. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like uh, in some moment you think don't crash because you're good now. So, uh, yeah. Uh, do, does anything make you nervous? You just seem like the most chill guy, like very calm. Uh, like, do you ever get rattled or anything like that? Of course, my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, I get nervous when for the races. That's um, I, I don't have fear, but I get I get nervous. It's it's normal. Um, yeah, I don't get nervous where I'm shaking and I cannot control myself. But I, I feel the the, the big thing that we're gonna do. So. Um. So you're you're known for being so smooth and and consistent with your driving. What? Well, how do you do that? Like, it seems so difficult to me. You know, especially I, I mostly watch oval races with NASCAR and these guys, you know, they go into the same four turns a lot of times and they hit their marks and, um, you know, but, but on a road course and on street courses and stuff, um, how are you so smooth all the time? I don't know, man. It's, it's tough to say, right? Um, I think that's the goal. Um, you know, that if you can be consistent, you can improve from, from there if you break one time here or you do one lap time here and then a second faster or a second slower. You cannot really um, follow the path, right? If you are always uh, to the limit, um, you can then try and search another limit. And, and I think that's been working this year and, and we've been successful with it. So after your uh, Pop-Tart uh, tides you over, I understand you're going to Roscoe's, the famous chicken and waffles place. Um, I, I'm probably missed this somewhere along the line. I, I know that your thing is to go get fried chicken when you win. Um, but can you remind me, how, how did this start with the fried chicken tradition? It started way back when I was in Japan. And uh, we, we there, there's not a lot of typical food for us in Japan, right? Like they have more of the Japanese style. And, and we said, okay, um, after a win with my, together with my dad, let's get them some fried chicken. So if they... It stayed with us. It stayed with us uh, since then, and now we only get fried chicken when when we get a win or or a big moment. Today it's even bigger, so I think we can order a uh, double because it's a championship. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, enjoy your fried chicken. Enjoy your pop tart, and uh, thank you very much for for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Jordan, as you heard there, nice guy funny and i uh, hope he did enjoy his pop tarts for dinner and later going to uh <laughs> i want to be celebrating a championship by the way. yeah well i mean you got to eat when you're doing all these interviews Very afterwards cool, they, yeah. they they take you through the uh the ringer you know so you've got to eat the pop tart it was a he held it up you know you couldn't hear it on the podcast but was he it held it up it was or a not frosted? brown yeah it was like a brown frosted one of those like okay. a cinnamon brown sugar pop tarts okay. yeah so, hey, I mean, you do a long race and you they immediately all the championship stuff's going, 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 going. And he, he wasn't able to make it to the fried chicken dinner yet until our interview and many others were done. So you got to eat the Pop-Tart. So okay. you do what you got to do. I would have had a banana yeah. or something like that. But again, you know, maybe your options are kind of limited. So. He's 24. You know, at that <laughs> age, that metabolism, you just whatever. It just all goes in there. Um, so were you able to, you know, you West coast time, Jordan, oh I know you're goodness. not used to that. Oh, my God. Were you able to wake up early and watch any of the F1 race? Uh, being on the West coast, I'm feeling like I start my day three hours behind everyone else. And I'm just waking up in a hole. Um, no, I didn't get to bed last night until about, uh, 4am. Cause I was doing, I was working on that, that story we talked about, about being in the helicopter. Um, and my alarm was going off at six 30. Um, I wanted to get up early and watch the F1 race, but it was just too much. And I couldn't do it. I, I saw the last uh, five laps. I woke up because I have Jeff Gluck alerts on my phone. I was quickly kind of able to surmise what happened and I was able to enjoy the last five laps. What I saw was wild. It was crazy. I don't know. Lando Norris maybe should have won that race. And I guess it's a good lesson to, you know, maybe listen to your, your crew guys who are looking at the, the weather reports, but you know, again, it was, you know, you would have, should have, could have, but it was entertaining. It was, it was such a good race. And I mean, I was standing up and pacing back and forth with my six month old and I kept startling her. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> Oh, you know, um, it was really, I mean, it was really compelling race, um, once again, and you know, Max Verstappen, you know, he starts 20th because of a grid penalty and he that's climbed incredible. his way through the field. I mean, um, that's what you win a championship. That, that is absolutely, when you I mean, go back and you look at it, like that could have been a gut punch of a day and to minimize that in the second, that, that, that is a championship winning moment. 
and, and you know, he was probably going to finish seventh, I think. And then when the rain came out and there was this whole scramble and Lando Norris got screwed and all this stuff and people were pitting for wets, he ends up jumping up to second. Lewis Hamilton ends up winning because of the rain situation. Uh, Lando Norris, though, man, you just have to feel for the guy. He was looking for his first F1 win. The rain hadn't come yet. Lewis Hamilton is like a second behind him, you know, and they're like, okay, the rain's coming. It's starting to sprinkle a little bit. And the idea to me, like, I, I, I don't put any blame on Norris whatsoever. Of course, he made the wrong decision because, yes, it turned out to be raining uh, heavy for like a lap there or two laps. And, you know, he got screwed. But, you know, they're saying the rain's coming, Lando, the rain's coming. He's It's the closing laps. He's leading, you know, he's about to win his first F1 race. To me, if, if he's thinking, if I pit here, this is a Lewis Hamilton. I'm just handing it to him. Why would he? That would be so stupid. I mean, it seems like even to talk about it now is so stupid. And in fact, when the when Hamilton pitted from second place, the commentators immediately like, I don't even know if he should do this because, you know, now he's 24 seconds behind. He's got to make up six seconds a lap in the last four laps. That doesn't seem possible. So even they were doubting Hamilton's decision to pit and take wets. But then... It started downpouring so hard for just that one moment. Norris, he couldn't stay on the track. He goes off the track. Hamilton quickly catches them, passes them, and then Norris had to pit. By that point, he's he ends up seventh. Heartbreaking for him, but F1 with yet another compelling race. The points lead changes yet again. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton now up by two over Verstappen, seven races to go. And it's just like every week you tune in for F1, you're like, what's going to happen this week? I like just some, I mean, if, if it wasn't already like a reality show on Netflix, you would think it's made for a reality show. Cause it's just the drama is fan. It's just fantastic. I, I love it. And I also love the fact too, that Mercedes, because Verstappen is starting in the back decides to make a change with Botas's car. So he has to forfeit starting positions to put him farther back because he's basically going to act as a defender and it's just all these little intricate things that are going on with McLaren or with Red Bull and Mercedes um, competing for the championship. And then we shouldn't lose sight of the fact too that McLaren has really come up. Like I mean, they are not just running well and better than every other team; they're outpacing Mercedes and Red Bull at times, and they have really turned it up. And it's no longer just the two teams and everyone else. It's kind of a quote-unquote big three big three wow that very original. just gave me uh <laughs> gave me like weird flashbacks yeah i know i know i'm sorry so, i use air quotes i think that helps i don't know yeah um jordan what do you say we do this in person next week should we do uh, that i would love that talladega my favorite race of the playoffs is that right yeah Your favorite race especially when it was the cutoff because the drama i just it, to me I, this sounds weird Talladega in the playoffs feels like this big fight feel to it. I don't know why, because maybe it's the unpredictability and you don't know what's going to happen. And it's just craziness happens, but I just, I, you like Talladega in the playoffs more than Bristol night race and Martinsville cutoff. Race. I, have to re- I have to reassess this a little bit. I, the Martinsville is really good. I mean, it's Bristol was so good last week. So I may have to reassess, reassess this after Bristol. Um, but I just, I don't know. It's been something the last few times I've been there. And I will say this, I didn't have that sense at Bristol. I didn't have this like, oh my goodness, anything can happen feel to it. I don't know why. I'm just telling you. When I've been at Talladega for these playoff races, it has been like, this is this is cool. Cause I just it, it's maybe because it's the air danger, maybe because you know you got the big one. I don't know. I just I can't tell you. I'm just telling you when I'm on the grid, I'm like, this is cool. Yeah, you know, I, I just think yeah, after seeing the the recent uh super speedway races in NASCAR with so many wrecks. Sure. So much randomness. Um, even it seems more than usual where just everybody's piling in recently. Um, why not just do like a 100 mile race except with landmines on the track, <laughs> shorten the event and just blow up cars? Would that just not have the same effect as we're going to see of 500 miles? Really dangerous. Of- we're going to blow up cars with drivers in them? That's mean. Well, you know, there'll be small landmines. Oh, okay. So it'll just cause minor damage or blow tires. Oh, or- as they're going 200 miles an hour. Yeah, that makes sense. Just- yeah, just cause them to flip up in the air real quick or something like, like that. But propane. everybody will be okay. Why don't we just put some propane tanks like they had at Texas Motor Speedway and we'll just put them at Talladega. That'll solve your problem. Yeah, just at random times. 
you know, like you could spin a wheel, draw a lap. Which lap will the fire burst out into turn one on? The, the fan mean, like, can. This yeah. is like Mario Kart, but like on steroids. Well, that's what it is. I mean, NBCSN was promoting Taldega during the race as the world's biggest roulette wheel, and it will just pick out <laughs> one winner. And they said, they said it's it's not fair, but it's not supposed to be fair. And I was like, wow, what a great endorsement of a championship format. You know? <laughs> This is the this is how we really choose a champion. The world's biggest roulette wheel. I, I get that. I understand. Like accidents happen. Drivers don't have their control of their fate. But I and I will stand on this soapbox, and I have said it so many times. You look at the guys who win these races and are in contention. It is the same guys over and over again. That's not luck. Yeah, I mean, I think that to a point. Look at the um, guys, I, I, I mean, look at the guy. McDowell won this year. Keselowski won this year. Blaney won this year. All three of them are very good in these races. The guys are in the mix in these races are the same guys. I, I get it. Things happen. You don't have control. But there is a skill that just I think is so overlooked in these races. And I don't think it's appreciated. I I did. I was totally with you on that for a while. But I think there has been quite a lot of uh, crazy wrecks lately that have sort of negated some of these skill. But yeah. I mean, Jordan, your 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 top six at the most recent one that we were at in Daytona was Ryan Blaney, Bubba Wallace, Ryan Newman, Ryan Priest, Tyler Reddick, Justin Haley, BJ McLeod was ninth, okay. Josh Balicki was tenth. Okay, let's so go. So you're telling it. me that this has some okay Blaney, unbelievable oh, yeah, skill whoa, 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 whoa. of let's back okay. up here. Blaney won really good. Um, yeah. Bubba Wallace finished second, very good in these races. He hasn't won one, but he's very good. Has now two finish second place finishes. You mentioned Justin Haley. How often do we talk about Justin Haley and his prowess in super speedway races? So yeah, I, I get that. I, I get mean, that. And Tyler Reddick has, has shown an ability in these races as well. So I mean, yeah, you're going to have some fluke guys. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you look at the guys who win these races more often than not and put themselves in spots. Like, yes. I'm not discarding the, the element of luck in this, but I just think there needs to be an acknowledgement that the, it's not a rule. I just, I don't know. The roulette wheel thing just drives me crazy because it's not. No, like, I, I didn't. I, I know. I know. I bristled at that as well. Anyway, well, we'll see what happens next week. Maybe it will watch. Be. It'll be like a completely random winner, and you know, I'll be I'll look like an idiot, like more normal. So, all right. Yes. Uh, congrats, Cole Custer, on your Talladega win. Uh, anyway, um, well, Jordan, it was good to talk to you. I uh, hope you have safe travels back uh, from Las Vegas, even though I talked to you out of the red eye flight. Yeah, thanks. Um, Appreciate that. Actually, good time is it? I could have, hang on. What time is it? You could not have made I it. I could have made it. I would have been fine. You could not I have made been it just fine. You know, everybody, you, you always tell people that I'm so hard on you and all this stuff. I, I was doing you a favor tonight. No, Jordan was going to take a red eye flight home from Las Vegas. You guys. And I told him, don't do that. I, it's always a regret. Um, and, and I just said, you know, I, I just strongly advise against that back from my, uh, Charlotte days when I would take that Vegas red eye. This was Jordan's first time covering the Vegas race. And I was just like, don't, don't, uh, don't do that to yourself. I thought I was being a good guy, but now he's saying he could make it. So I could have made. It. I, in retrospect, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I, I would have made it if I were right now, but if I didn't change, you know, something would happen on the racetrack tonight, and I'd be in the media center well past my flight taking off. So, it was, yes, you would have been part of the story yet again, part of another story for another week. Or so maybe maybe we should have changed job, it. and that's you know that's fine. Okay, whatever you want to call it. I, I got a I had a press release this week. You were so. very proud of yourself. It's so <laughs> fun. So I forgot who tweeted it, but it's so true. Like Alex Andreev tweeted it from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, you're all excited. I got a press release. Oh, look at this! Look at me! Look at me! Put the spotlight right here, right here, Jeff Block. Hey, and I'm just like, cool. You do you? That man. was not my reaction. Uh, nice that try. Basically, the, the, that was not my reaction. It was more or less a summarization of what happened. No, my reaction was, "What world are we living in?" That there's a press release about the. Was a good race poll? Is this even real life? I wasn't like, look, look at my press uh, release. Reading between the lines, it was pretty obvious. Okay. All right. I mean, even Mr. Alex noted this, by the way. Uh-huh. I know. I, I played along with it. Fine. <laughs> Release the video, Jordan. That's all I want. Staying with Release the video. I, can I just say something, by the way? It is yeah. cr- it cracks me up. I don't know if I've told you this. Um, I have been getting bombarded with messages. My DMs are open on Twitter. And it's pretty easy to get a hold of with from people I admittedly have no idea who they are, like complete strangers. And they're saying to me, Hey, what did Harvick say to you? Can you send me the t- video? Can you show it to me? And it's like, 
Okay. I think I made, I mean, like, really? I mean, I haven't even showed it to you. I mean, I've shown it to you. I really haven't told you. I don't think what happened, really, because I'm just kind of keeping it, you know. And it's like, why would I, complete stranger, why would I share that with you? Like, it just befuddles me. <laughs> I, I, what was amazing to me that I think is sort of like alarming to sort of how things get in like a bit of a news cycle and stuff too, is I saw there was one guy that was trying to like goad you into, he sent several tweets. He was trying to goad you into releasing it by saying the reason Jordan's not releasing it is because Harvick made a racial slur at Jordan or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like the guy was just trying to start stuff so that he was trying to get you to say, Oh, that's not true. Here's the real video. Like what a, like, yeah. I was I like, almost, man, this is I really was, reaching. Here. I almost responded to that in the response of just to clarify, like, hey, and I will say this, Harvick did not say anything derogatory. He did not threaten me, anything like that. He didn't say anything really that isn't even noteworthy. So I almost did respond to that publicly just to kind of like squash it. But I was just like, you know what? We're not going to give that guy a spotlight. So we're But good. see, that's, and that's what happens on Twitter though, because people will see that that guy replied to you, right? Yep. And they'll say, oh, is that what happened? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I bet. Oh, I wonder. Did you hear this? Yeah. Did you hear what, you know? And it's like, man, this, you could just kind of see, like, how the little seeds of this get started. And yeah. people want to know. People talk. Um, anyway, fascinating little. Uh, by the way, uh, <laughs> be, I know you don't want to be the story, Jordan, and there's no press release about you. But because of your incident last week, last week's edition of the Teardown just became our number one most listened to episode of the podcast <laughs> ever. It just passed uh, the New Hampshire episode. I don't know why New Hampshire was number one, that's but a it great was. Race, especially because they had all the kind of controversy at the beginning, too. Yep. Well, people wanted to hear us talk about that. And even more people wanted to hear us talk about you uh, with Harvick last week, I guess. So I, can, um, I only hope that the people who listened last week because of that liked what they heard because I thought our conversation about the race overall was really good and they're back again. And if you are, Thank you. Thanks for joining the conversation. I just wish you had more fun with it because I had so I, much more fun with it last week than you. I kept texting you all week. Has any, has there anybody, any more fallout? Have you ever heard from any more people? Or like I was enjoying it so much because I was dying laughing the whole time. And you were just like, so shell shocked when you came on the podcast uh, whoa, 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 last week. No, no, like, I, I want to clarify that too, by the way, that, that is the one thing out of all of this that kind of like irked me a little bit. I was not shell shocked. I was not bothered by it. I was not, I was just like, it happened. It wasn't a big deal, but you kept insisting last week that I was like having a hard you time. You weren't yourself, Jordan. You were like, um, yeah, well, well no, I was, gu- I just gu- don't prefer not to discuss this. No, I was this. guarded, not because I was shell shocked. I was guarded because I was very insistent. On not you being- weren't this, this animated Jordan that we're used because to I seeing right here. I, it just happened. And I'm also, it was very treading. I was treading very carefully in what I say, because I didn't want to say anything that was going to, be blown out of proportion or magnify this more than it needed to be, or I had to be even more into this than I wanted to be. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you weren't acting like a nine-year-old as uh, <laughs> Kevin Harvick accused Chase Elliott of acting as, or he said today before the race, when he was talking to you yeah, guys yeah. that talking to Chase Elliott in the conversation where he had to run into the holler yeah. to get away from you uh, was like talking to his nine-year-old son. So, um, this is definitely not over between them. No, it was funny. He said one thing too, that really jumped out to me. And I actually had had a follow up with him and he said this, he goes, this was the angriest I've ever been getting out of a race car. And I'm like, wait a second. We've seen Kevin Harvick do some things over the years, you know, um, Greg Biffle, Ricky Rod, you know, list goes on. And I'm like, wait, this was the angriest you've ever been. He's like, yeah, it was. And it was like, oh wow. Okay. (laughs) Which explains the the helmet being slammed on the, on, on the road. The angriest he ever remembers being. Let's yeah, that's say. probably fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know he said that, but yeah. I, you know, we all have moments like that. But yes, uh, and he did say that his glasses were spared um, Good. by the helmet. So he did not see them there, which, well, again, I just really question somebody's judgment if they're going to slam their helmet on their own glasses. But he didn't see them there, so. Maybe he should have kept them on. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Very good point, Jordan. Uh, helmet off, glasses on. Well, on, on that note, um, <laughs> on that note, we appreciate everybody for listening as always. We'll be back together at Talladega next week. Looking forward to that. Until then, talk to you next time on the Terror.